Hey, welcome to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Oh, that's going to be marked. Welcome to NASA Edge. An inside outside look at all things NASA, Mr. Broadcaster. Thanks for coming on board. I was just thinking it was the best of. Oh, I got you. Franklin, what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about GRIP. And uh, GRIP is an acronym for Genesis Rapid Intensification Processes. Which is a 2010 Earth Science mission, which Earth Science showed today. And it's also a really cool allusion to Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> With the Genesis Project. Which everyone loves. That's right. Yes. And in fact, the cool thing about this uh, Earth Science mission is that they're, uh, this experiment is that they're actually taking a look how tropical systems, tropical storms, develop into major hurricanes. And the real benefit of that is that we can better predict how these storms are going to develop and hopefully be able to evacuate and do the necessary things on the ground to prepare for them. Now, for this experiment to succeed, NASA has like, adopted three special aircraft that actually will fly into the uh, into the hurricanes, into the tropical systems to take all that data. That's nice that they've adopted this. <laughs> Spoken like a, a true, true dad. dad. Right. <laughs> hey, Franklin, what are the aircrafts uh, they're going to be using? Well, they're using the DC-8, uh, the WB-57, and the unmanned aerial system, or the Global Hawk, which is right over your shoulder. Nice. That's right. And in fact, we're focusing on Global Hawk today, along with GRIP. With good reason. With good, with good reason, because uh, Global Hawk is actually uh, based at a NASA Dryden Flight Research Center in California. Yeah, and another cool thing today, we were unable to travel out to Dryden, but but, but at Dryden is Sherry Olson, who we've worked with before, who's going to be our field reporter today. And Jackie Cortez, who's our special co-host for the show, which we all know who Jackie is. Yeah, she's, yeah. yeah. she doesn't need any extra introduction. Sorry, Jackie. She's, <laughs> <laughs> but before we actually get to the first piece, uh, I do want to uh, tell the audience that if you want to learn more about GRIP, the Global Hawk, the WB-57, or even the DC-8, go to the NASA website. It's actually a pretty cool interactive feature on the GRIP mission. You'll learn all about the payload, the mission, there's a video gallery, and there's links to different parts of our science. I think if you visit the site enough, you can actually unlock a feature that allows you to fly the Global Hawk wherever you want at any at any given time. At least that's a rumor mill. Except over my house. <laughs> <laughs> Too much traffic over there already. <laughs> I need a whole new air traffic controller if you're going over by Franklin's house. Hey, let's go check out the first piece. <laughs> all right, you're watching Ass Edge. Hi, here we are at the Global Hawk Flight Operations Room at Dryden Flight Research Center, and I have with me the operations lead, Matt Graham. That's right, Sherry. What are all these displays here? Could you go through some of them for us? Sure. This is basically the cockpit of the Global Hawk. You would think an unmanned autonomous airplane would be relatively easy to fly, but there's a lot of information to process. It has a pre-programmed mission plan in the airplane with, with waypoints, and it flies from waypoint to waypoint. But what the pilot can do is he can override those waypoints. He can tell it to fly a specific heading, and then the airplane will change its flight track. He can also command the altitudes. This shows him what the airplane's doing. That's all his airspeed and altitudes and headings. He can bring up a flight manual on here, and then he's got another interface where he can issue other commands to the airplane, put the landing gear up and down, etc. 
Next to him is the co-pilot station. He has a second pilot here to help him. He can bring up all those same displays on here. And he also has another computer where he can bring up weather information and such. Okay. Way down here on this display, this is where our range safety officer sits. And he basically protects the assets within the Edwards range. You'll see all those red dots on his display there. Those are air population areas or high value areas that you're not supposed to fly with an unmanned aerial vehicle. And he also has displays. He can see all the, all the other aircraft in the uh, in the Edwards uh, operating area. So he's there to help uh, protect the Edwards range assets. He's only here when we're flying within the Edwards range. When we go out into the uh, national airspace, he's not here. And to the left of that is the mission director. And the mission director is kind of responsible for the overall conduct of the mission. He also provides uh, some safety oversight. But he kind of has the dance cards for the mission. So he helps the pilots step through, hey, this is what we're going to do next. We need to go over to this area. And he also interfaces with the mission scientists in the back and helps pass on the uh, requests and the, and the desires of the mission scientists to the pilots. So the pilot can fly the mission and, and help achieve the objectives that the mission scientists are looking for. If I understand correctly, you were here from the very beginning before we even had Global Hawk behind us, right? It's so before you even existed. Right. This has been a five-year process to get to where we are today. Okay. Um, these airplanes will fly for 30 hours at a time. They wow. fly up to 65,000 feet. On a full tank of gas, you could take off here at Edwards, fly all the way to New York City, fly back here and then do it again without getting additional fuel. Without stopping. Back and forth twice wow. across the country. Okay. And I noticed too that the wings are much longer than a commercial airplane. Right. That has a lot to do with the altitude we're flying at at 65,000 feet. The air is a lot thinner. So you need more wing area to get the lift to stay up at that altitude. And that wing is also full of fuel when we take off. Really? Now half the fuel okay. of the airplane fits in the wing. And in back of us, we have some computer screens. Can you tell us what they're for? This is called the payload operations room, and this is where all the mission scientists uh, sit during a mission and manage their payloads. We have the capability of carrying numerous payloads on board the Global Hawk. For this particular campaign, the, the GRIP campaign, we've got some hurricane uh, uh, sensing instruments. We have a radar, we have a microwave profiler, we have a, a lightning uh, um, instrumentation system and all the scientists can interface through the payload system. We have a SATCOM system that talks to the airplane and they can talk directly to their payloads so they can get their information from their payloads real time on those screens and they can also send commands up to their payloads if they need to reconfigure something, if they need to change a frequency, they can send that directly up through that SATCOM system. And when you see the forecasts of where a hurricane's going, each day in the forecast it gets wider and wider right. where they think it's going to go. I believe with the data they get from this whole campaign over the next month and then years to come, they'll be able to narrow that over time, that prediction. So if we can cut down on that, that band that has to be evacuated, that's a lot of people who, who don't have to pick up everything, throw it in the car and leave. Uh, so that's a big impact right there. 
Uh, we're also doing research over the Arctic. Uh, back in April, we flew to just short of the North Pole, and we stayed up there a few hours taking data, getting pictures of the sea ice up there, measuring ozone levels. Those kind of missions were helping the scientists better understand the global climate change that's ongoing. So this airplane has a tremendous number of uses. Hey, Sherry. It's good to see Sherry. Absolutely. We haven't worked with her in a long time. Yeah, and it's good to see Jackie. <laughs> That's hey, right. Hey, hey Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> good call, but, but, but the cool thing about that segment is, is Matt showing Sherry all those uh, monitors for the, for the Global Hawk. You know, you have, even though it's automated, it flies by itself. Uh, you, you still have a pilot, co-pilot. You have the safety officer. I mean, that, that's pretty intense. Well, and they're dealing with a lot of things out there uh, during the mission. So they want to be able to see everything and be, you know, keep these assets safe because uh, they're very expensive and, uh, and highly technical. Yes. I'm not allowed anywhere near the facility when they're running a mission. Like, now, I understand that behind that st uh, that all those video monitors were, were the instruments for the science uh, aspect of it. Yes, and, and, and later monitors. on in the show, we're going to see more about the scientific right. detail. But you know, for right then and there, you can already tell that there's been an upgrade between what we saw uh, a few shows back on Icona and the Predator, a significant upgrade in, in how they monitor the uh, Global Hawk. But before we uh, go to a break, I do want to just emphasize again, don't forget to check out that cool interactive feature on the NASA portal. You can check out all about the GRIP program, uh, the mission. There's a video gallery. There's also a photo gallery and links to the mission and to the aircraft. And as we speak, Franklin, it's avoiding your house right now. Lots of activity. It says on here, not wait, wait, anywhere wait, wait, near wait, Franklin's wait. house. It says the Global Hawk says the grill is activated in his house. <laughs> there is a temperature spike in your backyard. Hey, you're watching S Edge. And in Inside and outside look at all things NASA. Let's go fire up the grill. Yeah, absolutely. We are here at NASA Dryden Flight Research Center. You're watching NASA Edge and inside and outside look at all things NASA. And lots of scientific data. What's really cool about GRIP and Global Hawk is not just they're just cool technologies and a cool mission, but it's all the cool data you're getting. But the, the instrumentation on board, it's advanced technology. Some, uh, of, the, some of the instruments have never been flown before. Yeah, although it's sort of a hybrid, right? Because didn't we see some of the similar tech, not technology, the ideas? The Hurricane Hunters down in, uh, in Biloxi, we went down there quite a few years ago and uh, got on board the C-130 that's actually used to uh, fly into hurricanes and, and take some of the same measurements that uh, the Global Hawk and the other aircraft do with grip. Um, they actually use the drop song. Yeah, which, right here, featured on our set. Featured, or something similar. Sim, similar to yeah. that, yeah. Actually, I think we'll find out that the version of the drop song used uh, in the Global Hawk is actually a little bit smaller than the one used with the Hurricane Hunters, but they're generally getting, getting the same types of information. And it's automated, too. It's automated. Yes, the, uh, with the Hurricane Hunters, it was manually uh, deployed drop songs, and with the Global Hawk, it's done automatically. Yeah, and it kind of looks like a, like a paper towel, about the size of a paper towel uh, holder, right. uh, the core. So this is like the quicker picker-upper of data for, for NASA. And remember, we're collecting a ton of data. I mean, we're yeah. looking at temperature, pressure, humidity, wind levels. And in fact, some of these in the instruments on board Global Hawk will be looking at, you develop a 3D map of the winds of a hurricane. Kind of like a gigapan from, from Desert Rats of a, of a, of a I, hurricane. I guess you could kind of say that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not at all like that. Might not be like that at all. It was a good try. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to stand. No freestyling during the show. I apologize. Tell you what. I'll tell you, let's go check out the okay. video and we'll come back. Right. Get an accurate picture. GRIP okay. stands for Genesis and Rapid Intensification Processes. And what that means is we're trying to learn how hurricanes form 
form in the very early stages and also uh, how they rapidly intensify. We have uh, several new instruments that are technology developments. For example, the radar high that I'm involved with will enable us to measure winds within hurricanes, the horizontal winds. Those are very important to understand how hurricanes form. What we have here is an electric field mill. We've got six on board, and what they do is they measure the electric field within the Earth's atmosphere. So we use this field mill here, and what happens is this top, this top um, spins, and as this goes over, it'll cut the, the charge coming that so the instrument does not get saturated, and so then we can measure the fields within the storm. So what we're hoping to measure is any lightning and the fields associated with the hurricane as the, uh, as the UAV flies over any precipitation. And lightning's important with respect to a hurricane. It's found mainly in two regions, either within the eye wall or near the eye of the hurricane and the outer bands. And lightning tends to indicate that the hurricane is intensifying or strengthening because lightning is modulated by an updraft and as the updraft gets stronger you get more uh, vertical motion and you get your strengthening of the hurricane. This instrument is a microwave radiometer, it's uh, called Hamster. And what that allows us to do is remotely measure temperature and moisture below the aircraft down to the ground. Okay. And this is something that uh, we don't really get from satellites with this high resolution. So we're very excited about that. It will also tell us what the rain and snow is doing, okay. map that out in the storm. We uh, created a drop sound system. It holds a, approximately 100 uh, drop sounds that are ejected out of the aircraft. They drop through the atmosphere and they measure things like temperature, pressure, humidity, wind speeds. This is about a six ounce package that gets ejected out of the aircraft. Uh, there's a parachute that comes out of the top of it. And what this does is it gives us a complete profile of what the atmosphere is doing from the aircraft all the way down to the ocean surface. And it gives us very good vertical resolution, uh, a lot of detailed information. So as an example, in a hurricane, if we want to know what are the winds uh, right at the surface of the ocean, rather than flying an aircraft down there, having a boat down there, by dropping the sun from a safe altitude from the aircraft, we're going to make a very good uh, measurement of what the wind speed, wind direction is right at the surface. But more importantly for the uh, scientific researchers, what they're going to do is they're going to get a very detailed profile um, every five to ten meters, exactly what is the atmosphere doing from the aircraft all the way down um, to the surface. Uh, drop suns are launched from manned aircraft okay. regularly. Uh, like I said, it's been around for decades, okay. and they're, but those are all manual. This is the first autonomous drop sound system uh, okay. uh, where it's controlled remotely okay. since there's nobody back there. Right. <laughs> On the Global Hawk aircraft, this is the launch tube right here that it shoots out of. Um, this is a little bit backwards, but when the sun gets ejected out, the sun's going to be coming out here, coming down, and it'll come down here and probably tumble about uh, three seconds after it's been ejected out of the aircraft. Then we will release the uh, parachute where the parachute comes out once the sun is a safe distance away from the um, Is that parachute. deployed automatically? It's or? all deployed automatically. So we can hold up to 100 drop zones um, with this system. But that has required us to go from designing 
our big small saw, big saw down to a small saw. So that's where we also then designed a very small version of our standard drop saw specifically for this aircraft so we can have a large capacity of uh, drop zones and really take advantage of the fact that this plane can fly for 30 hours. We can do this all remotely and it's something with the other aircraft we've worked with that are high altitude aircraft, uh, we couldn't do that. So if the plane went up and our instrument didn't work, that was it. We didn't get any data. Right. So we're very excited because this allows us to play with our instrument from the ground while right. the plane's flying. Without risking someone's life right. in a hurricane. That's right. Okay, excellent. Hey, we're back on air. Yeah, yeah. hi, <laughs> welcome back to NASA Edge. Sorry. You having fun with the drops on? Yeah, this is really cool. I mean, I, I want to go outside and test this parachute action, even, even though the science instrument's been removed. Well, so. of course, they're not going to give you the science instrumentation, I mean, because... They're not going to let you handle it. I thought it'd be cool to handle the science instrument. I mean, am I, am I crazy? Am I wrong? No, it's just it's cool. Yeah. You know. But you know, the cool thing about that drop zone is that when it's released inside the, the aircraft, and it looks like it's a soda machine, where now you just put the sodas in the machine yeah. and you just kind of... Now I'm yeah. thirsty. Now you can decide whether or not, you know, <laughs> do you want a Diet Coke? you want Diet Pepsi? you want Mountain Dew? Do you want Sprite? What, I, what do you I, want? I want an a, uh, energy drink version <laughs> of the drop zone. That's what I want. But no, really cool stuff. And yeah. you can see a lot of the ingenuity that's gone into putting all these assets together uh, to get the data at one time, like this really cool biodegradable drops on. Yeah, it's use. pretty cool. But we got to take a break because when we come back, uh, we're going to get an update on, on the grip and what's going on now. And there's an update. Yeah, there's an update. Okay, so when, when our team left NASA Dryden, operations didn't just cease. Yeah, they, they kept on going. They kept going. That's okay. Right. You're right. watching NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. The show must go on. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Welcome back to NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. When uh, Ron was out shooting this segment at NASA Dryden, uh, Global Hawk was covering Hurricane Earl. But since then, several storms have, have been covered. But Earl, though, was pretty close to us. At, at one point, we were watching Earl very closely here in the eastern, you know, East Coast, especially here in Virginia Beach and the Hampton Road area. Yeah, you were actually relying on Global Hawk. That's a, that's get that data, get that data. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But we are very fortunate to have two people from Dryden on the phone with us. Matt Graham, who's the operations lead for Global Hawk. And our field reporter, Sherry Olson. Hi, guys. This is Sherry. Hey, Matt's here. Hey, Matt. It's, just want to kind of give us an update on what's going on with the GRIP mission and the uh, Global Hawk aircraft. Well, the GRIP mission is concluded at this time. Basically, the hurricane season is fairly well over. We've stood down from the hurricane mission. Uh, we, we did get to do some interesting things. As you mentioned, uh, uh, we overflew Hurricane Earl, and we did uh, eight passes over the eye of the hurricane, which is the most any aircraft has ever flown over or through the eye of a hurricane. We did some overflights in conjunction with the DC-8. So the DC-8 was at a lower altitude uh, gathering information at the same time we were. Can you speak briefly about how the satellites uh, work with the, the GRIP program? Yeah, that was an interesting thing, too, is that they tried to time a lot of these high overflights with the satellite passes, you know, and that's the infamous A-train they were using, <laughs> which we also uh, overflew or underflew for GLOPAC. So, you know, some of this was calib trying to calibrate their satellites. So they were pulling in a lot of satellite data, and again, we tried to, they, they tried to time it so they've got all the aircraft over one spot where the satellites are passing over at the same time so they can compare all the data from all these instruments and see how well their satellites are doing and uh, just get stuff from different altitudes. One of the really interesting ones we did actually was we went out and looked at, uh, it started out as an Atlantic low, which was really a pre-hurricane. 
It was called AL-62, and we went out and looked at that, and that turned into Hurricane Carl. Okay. And uh, we overflew Hurricane Carl when it intensified from a Category 1 all the way up to a Category 3. So that was uh, there was a lot of really good information that we got on uh, on that. So that's that's was was interesting to us. Is it safe to say that the instrumentation on board the Global Hawk was more advanced? Well, we had one brand new radar on here. It was called HIRAP, which is a KEA and KU band a hurricane radar, and this was the first time it had ever been flown on a campaign. Uh, so all the instruments are relatively new. Uh, one one other question, uh, Matt. You mentioned going out uh, over a storm and its sort of developmental uh, stages. Right. Uh, that was a that was a big part of this uh, campaign. Is they wanted to see how these storms form. It seems like if you're trying to figure out uh, better ways to predict uh, storm activity, it's actually. Uh, best if you can get out and over the system in the early stages. Is that is that right? Exactly. That's that's part of it. They want to see how they form. They also want to see how they intensify. So I think we uh, we did a pretty good job of, of getting them the kind of data they were looking for. We were pretty fortunate on, on this campaign. They got to see one in the early forming stages, and they got to see one during intensification. What's the future for GRIP? You think we'll have another mission in 2011? Uh, we're actually uh, going, there's going to be a new uh, uh, set of missions called HS3, which is Hurricane and Severe Storm Sentinel, and that'll be a multi-year. That'll be starting in actually 2012, and we'll be going to the East Coast, deploying from the East Coast, probably from uh, from Kennedy, so we can go farther out in the Atlantic, all the way over to the uh, African coast to look at how these uh, storms form and intensify. Will you maintain some interactivity? I know your website, people can go on and they can actually track where Global Hawk is. Will you have that same level of interactivity with the new missions? We will when we get to HS3, yes. I, I, I'm assuming you, you have to register your flight plan with the FAA just to get yes, out there? Yeah, yeah, we do. In fact, we have to do that. For, because it's a UAV, we have to give them a general... Um, flight plan 24 hours in advance, which is the general area where we're going, say, uh, a good example is, is Hurricane Carl was in the Gulf of Campeche, so we had to tell them, hey, that's where we're going, and this is the route we're going to take to get there 24 hours in advance. Okay. So, Sherry, uh, tell us, what was it like being a uh, NASA Edge Field reporter for the first time? It was a pleasure. Um, getting the information out about NASA, and particularly about Dryden, um, was just a, a dream come true. So I thank you guys. That's great. What about what about NASA Edge co-host? I would love to. Well, is, uh, is Blair going somewhere? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you hear the enthusiasm in her voice? Yeah. And of replacing me. That's that's, that's just unfortunate. Hey, um, I think she did a great job. I uh, think she'd be great for that. It pains me to say it, but yes, she did a great job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, good job, Sherry. Thanks. Hey, thanks a lot, Matt and Sherry, for uh, giving us the opportunity to talk with you uh, and uh, giving us an update on GRIP. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and unfortunately, we've reached the end of another exciting episode of NASA Edge. An inside and outside look at all things NASA. Come back soon. Definitely want to cover uh, this event coming in 2012, especially yeah. if find a free space for Blair on the Global Hawk to go out to Africa and, and come back. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll have to fight Mr. Bill for that. You know, Mr. Bill rides on this Global Hawk. Oh, so. really? Mr. Yeah. Bill does. Is this the same Mr. Bill from the 70s? Yes, that, that, that very same Mr. Bill. Wow, he must be collecting Social Look, Security by then. now. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet, I bet he's not as flexible as he used to be. <laughs> right. Oh, no, Mr. Bill!